Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Another episode of Vertical Momentum. I'm host Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, this is going to be an amazing episode. This is going to be fun. If you ever wanted to start your own magazine, you're definitely going to want to check out this. Uh, listen to this. But first, I want to thank our sponsors. And because it's one of our mutual friends, she didn't know it, but Annette Wittenberger is one of my closest friends. Um, check out her podcast, A, A Wild Ride Called Life. Her new book is come is is out. You definitely got to pick up her book. So check out A Wild, Li- Wild Ride Called Life with Annette Wittenberger. Christine Walker, how are you today? Good morning, Richard. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing, I'm about to have one of the most amazing days ever. Uh, first, I get to hang out with you, then I got a yeah. couple interviews, and then I'm being interviewed today. So life is just truly amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. So what's going on in your world? Goodness gracious. Well, we are, um, we are gearing up for our fall issue now. We just uh, went to print with our summer issue and those will actually um, go out this week and to our subscribers and um, we're just, we're just keeping that ball rolling. So uh, life, life of a, a magazine publisher. That's what we do. And one of my bestest, bestest buds, the way we got introduced, Robert Garcia. Yes, he was one of our veteran stories this issue. So, and I'm very grateful that we uh, we connected. So I'm, I'm very, very honored that you would come on and hang out. But uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell us about where you're from and uh, what kind of little girl you were when you were growing up. We're going <laughs> to hop in the Wayback Machine. Oh, good grief. Well, I was born and raised in Colorado. Um you know, had a, had a great childhood growing up, happy, um, spent a lot of time in the mountains camping. I wasn't a skier though. Um, I did go skiing, but it wasn't my, my thing. So, uh, you know, just had a, had a great growing up, um, great childhood, great parents. Were you um, good? Were you good in school? Were you good, uh, a good scholar in scholarship? No, no, I wasn't actually, to be honest. Um, it wasn't that I was lazy. It was that I wasn't challenged enough. So I typically ended up, you know, I was bored. And then of course, with the last name Walker, I was always in the back of the class, which come to find out as an adult, I needed to be in the front. Um, that's where I learned the best. So, um, yeah, I wasn't a great student. I mean, I was okay. I got A's in music and I was super involved in singing and dancing, had a lot of, um, I was even a part of an equestrian uh, writing group uh, in junior high. And then in junior high, um, you know, they do all that testing to see where you're at, to see where you're at and on the spectrums and that kind of thing. Turns out um, I was invited to join the junior Mensa uh, program at, at my junior high. And so that's when things start clicking. And I realized, oh, well, I'm not dumb and I'm not lazy. I'm just bored. <laughs> so uh, once I learned that, things kind of turn around. 
So now, did you uh, when you got in high school, were you very good in like? Because I know a lot of people that have magazines, they start they started out. Um, some people had problems, like Robert had learning disabilities before and before he started his magazine until he learned how to, how, how he learned how to um to learn so did you have any were you good in english were you good in writing stuff like that actually um no i struggled through writing believe it or not um i i mean i love to write i love to read boy i would i would pick up you know during christmas breaks I would pick up books and I would literally read them all night until I was done with them. So I was an avid reader. Um, I didn't really have confidence to think I was a writer. Um, I got mediocre grades in English. Um, and so I wasn't, you know, it just wasn't on my forefront. I had no desire to be on the computer. Of course, this was way <laughs> back in the day. This was like the mid eighties. That's where the dial up, right? It, well, yeah, that is a, that's before internet. <laughs> that's when you had your standalone computers and that was it. No email, no internet, nothing. Um, so yeah, I really struggled. Um, I didn't want anything to do with computers. I failed my typing class. <laughs> I, at, at, you know, if somebody, if I could go back and talk to myself and tell my junior high self, oh yeah, by the way, when you're 50 years old, you're gonna, almost 50, you're gonna start a publishing company and produce a magazine every three months. I would have been like, this lady is crazy, get her away from me. <laughs> so yeah, there was nothing in my formative years that would lead to what I'm doing now. <laughs> now, uh, because I, I've, I'm a big, I'm a big reader. I've always done, it's always been my safe haven. Even mm -hmm. when I was a young child and I was being abused, reading was my my way of escaping reality. Right. So like I've read over like almost five thousand books now, and I got like nine going at every at any time. Oh so wow! What were some of the things that some kind of books that you you like to? You know, my okay. Uh, when I was growing up, my stepdad had a bookshelf in our basement and it was, he was a super avid reader. And so it was full, it was full of books. I would just pick one. I remember, I think it was maybe 13, 12 or 13, something like that. And I ended up reading, um, you know, a book about a POW um, and, and, you know, his story and, and I was just enthralled with it. And so, you know, all the gore, all the detail didn't, you know, it bought, you know, it was like, oh, that's awful. But it, it didn't like make me, you know, um, traumatize me is what I'm trying to say. So uh, yeah, I remember reading books like that. I read adult books. Um, you know, I read, I read stories that were hard to read. Um, I, I could never get through War and Peace, though. That that wasn't a book I could get through, but I probably would get through it now um, just because I love military history and I love um, history in general. So I'm 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 still a, a still a learner. I still love history. In fact, actually, that's one of the reasons we started the magazine. 
You know, and I love that. And, you know, I've talked to now, this is, I have a, almost 300 interviews on, on their show mm-hmm. and a lot, a lot of uh, Navy SEALs, a lot of, you know, uh, Delta Force Rangers. And a lot of them, they tell me that readers are leaders. Yes. And so I, I think it's a, a lot of people don't even realize that the average CEO reads about 60 books a year. Right. Because, you know, they just want to always, they're always thirsting for knowledge. So just want to put that out there. Readers are leaders. Remember that guys. Readers yes, are leaders. they are. And it's a great escape, you know, and I'm, I'm old school. I like to actually pick up a physical book. Me too. And read it. Um, you know, I'm on the screen, you know, sometimes 10, 16 hours a day. Last thing I want to do is read a book on a screen, but um, yeah. I love the old fashioned. I still have a library card. <laughs> I, now, because so, I went blind last uh, January. Oh, wow. So now everything is um, book on audio. Uh-huh. And it's amazing. Like now I can get through sometimes like three or four books in a day, you know, in on audio instead of uh, having to read it. So I'm, I'm actually getting more knowledge faster, which is great. Right, right. So talk to us, you know because I love my veterans, you know, and I love my female veterans because I know you guys don't get a whole lot of, don't, don't get a whole lot of publicity and a lot of respect. So I've had Annette on, I've had Tammy on, I've had a lot of female veterans come on. So talk to us about your recruiting story because everybody has a different recruiting story. So tell us about yours. Well, mine was pretty, um, again, I was, I was, you know, overly smart and didn't realize it, but um, I just didn't have patience to be in high school. So um, probably my senior year, you know, my grades weren't great. And I just decided to drop out. I got my, I literally went and got my GED. I didn't study for it. And, um, and then, you know, my parents, my stepdad was Navy. Um, my dad was Air Force. Both my grandfathers were Army. My brother, a Marine. Um, I've got had a cousin in um, Coast Guard, and my stepbrother was Navy. So I, I, it was just a natural thing. Um, but I went and got my GD, GED. I didn't study. I just went and got it. And then I, without telling my parents, I went to the recruiter, and I. Uh, talked to you know I talked to all four and um, Navy seemed like the best bet because I could go into medical um, fairly easy so um, I signed on the dotted line and went home and told my parents you know I've I've never been one of those types of people that you know has to be pushed into doing something I just kind of do it and then I tell my family after the fact so um, it was great um Join the, you know, signed on the dotted line. I, I didn't, that was when they had delayed entry. Yep. So um, even though I signed on the dotted line, I was out of high school. I had my GED. I was good to go. Um, you know, there was still a delayed entry. So we, um, you know, I think I went to the MEP station in December um, and took my ASVAB and did all, you know, did all my entry, entry stuff, took my oath and 
Um, and back then you weren't like sequestered in a hotel or, you know, on a bus with other people. When I went, I drove myself to maps <laughs> and then I drove home and then they said, be at the airport at such and such a time. And I was, and um, got on that plane and with a couple other people going to Orlando, I was um, going to Aunt Orlando um, RTC and went to Orlando and my Navy, my very short Navy career began. <laughs> so, now, how um, long did you do in the Navy? Um, I was only in the, in the Navy for about two and a half years. Um, I went in as a reservist because I had a GED, so they wouldn't let me go in active duty. Um, so I went in as a reservist, went through boot camp, and in A school, I went active duty. But um, during boot camp, when I went in, we were in the process of, of Desert Shield. And um, I know my parents were concerned, my mother especially, because here, here's our baby girl. She's going into the military. Her son is a Marine. Her daughter's now Navy. And of course, when you, when you join the military, you don't get to choose where you go or what you do. You're told what to, where to go. So, um, you know, I, I, I just wanted to be available to the U.S. Navy. So I, uh, during A school, I went, I went active duty and, so um, finished A school very quickly. Um, it's amazing. I did really, really well in A school considering, you know, my struggles with boredom in high school. I think it was because it was so accelerated and my mind was able to grasp onto that and I was able to um, actually thrive. So I did very, very well um, in hospital corpsman school. And then when asked what duty station, my brother was stationed at um, Marine Corps Air Station, New River in North Carolina. And I thought, well, what the heck, let's go, let's go sibling duty. And back then they had sibling duty. So I got stationed at Camp Lejeune at the Naval Hospital there. And um, of course, back then, female corpsmen, there weren't a lot of billets for FMF 8404. That's where you go and train with the Marine Corps and you're actually assigned to a Marine Corps unit, battalion, that kind of thing. And I was, you know, there just weren't billets for female corpsmen for that. So um, I was hospital side, blue side, and uh, that's what I did. I was internal medicine. So all my patients were still Marines, but uh, we, and it was really interesting because Desert Storm had started during boot camp and ended by the time I got to uh, Lejeune. And now we had guys coming in with all these strange, very strange um, health issues that we didn't know how to, how to treat um, those who had been deployed. So it was, it was very interesting, very interesting time. So now, you know, a lot of times, you know, like I know I had struggles with transitioning out. Um, First time I got thrown out for being a drug addict. Uh, second time I got hurt on duty and they medically discharged me. And um, I didn't know, you know, everything built up to being who Sergeant Kaufman was. To right. be the super soldier, ultimate soldier. 
Um, I went to every school they, they asked me to go to, became soldier of the year and all that stuff. And I, but when they finally put me out because of medical and they retired me, I didn't know who Richard was. And I had a hard time in transitioning. What was your transitioning story like? Well, my hard time came before transitioning um, just because I had been dealing with MST. I was not, I was a kid, you know, I was 19, 20, 21 years old. I didn't know, I didn't have the tools emotionally or mentally um, to deal with that kind of thing. And so I, things started going downhill for me in the military. And then um, when I got out, it was primarily because, you know, that was the 90, 92, um, 91, 92, when they were like doing forced retirements. And because I had entered as a reservist, they're like, oh, well, we don't need you active duty anymore. So see ya. And um, I'm like, well, okay, I guess that's done. Um, and I got out and um, it was interesting. I mean, as far as the, my last day of active duty, I went to the adjutant's office. I got my last check. I got my DD-214 and, you know, my per diem for my move. And basically they said sayonara. That was it. There was no transition services. There was no, you know, and back then I didn't know that there were, I, I don't even think there were a lot of veteran services to help transition. You just got out and you started your life again. So what did you do? What was your next step? Um, my next step was to turn into a free spirit. <laughs> and I just kind of did what I wanted. You know, if I had an inkling to do something, I did it. You know, I went to floral design school. I went to um, LVN school, which during LVN school, I knew I'm like, no, I'm not going to do this. This I've already done this. <laughs> uh, medical was not my thing. Um, so I transitioned out of that. And then, you know, went to floral design school, did start doing some of the creative stuff, um, you know, worked odd jobs, not making a lot of money. But usually, you know, I had enough savvy and computers were starting to, in, the internet was there and I was starting to get more um, aligned with becoming a little bit more techie. So I was, I was pretty good at being like an executive assistant, pretty organized. So I just worked, you know, odd jobs as, as, you know, administrative assistants and, you know, little creative jobs and, you know, nothing, nothing that was going to be a career, but, you know, it paid, it paid the bills. And, um, and then in 96, um, I really started to get, get my head on and really decided what I want to do. So I went through the Texas Peace Officer Academy and, Went through that course, passed my T-close exam, and um, was never commissioned in Texas, but I went straight to California and decided to do private security. So I started actually at a little podunk security company, but the company I was assigned to was a pharmaceutical company, and the facilities manager who was in charge 
who was basically my boss at the site, um, really was impressed with, you know, my demeanor, probably, you know, that military bearing. And so they ended up hiring me um, from the security company. And I became the security coordinator for the pharmaceutical company. So, wow. yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I did that for a few years. Um, and, you know, I was in charge of all the security systems, all the, you know, and, and the contractors and the contracted security. And, um, you know, we weren't, we weren't just a, a research facility. We were also a manufacturing facility. So I'd, I had to have knowledge. So I relied on my Corman training a lot to be able to talk to these um, scientists and that kind of thing to kind of know what they needed as far as um, cold rooms and um, freezers. Uh, you know, we had refrigerators, freezers that were alarmed. I needed to be able to contract, you know, make sure those were in good order. So yeah. That's that's what I transitioned into. So you eventually had to learn computers, obviously. Yes, and I did. And I became fairly proficient at it. But I guess it was because I wanted to do it. Um, I've never been good at anything I didn't want to do. Um, it's only the things I've really wanted to do that I became really proficient and good at. So, okay. so now talk to us how you go from doing that to now putting out an amazing, amazing magazine called At Ease? Well, it's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird story. Um, I was, I actually left um, the pharmaceutical company and jumped straight in, you know, headfirst into the nonprofit world. So I founded and ran a nonprofit for about mm, 10 years and um, really enjoyed doing that, but I just didn't make enough money to live off of. So after 10 years, I was like, okay, we're done. And I moved um, from where I was living down to the Denton area in Texas. And now I'm a bit, by the way, I'm a big, I'm a big wrestling fan. And some of my favorite wrestlers come from the, the town of Denton, Texas. So <laughs> I love the Von Ericks. I love the family. So that's yeah. one That's one reason I know about Denton, Texas. <laughs> so I moved to Denton. I kind of liked it, you know. I mean, over the years, I've kind, I had kind of turned into like, you know, this hippie chick warrior, you know, still a veteran, but, you know, really was more like, eh, you know, let's, let's do everything outside the box. <laughs> so I moved it and I started my consulting company. Um, so um, over the years with the nonprofit and that kind of thing, I had to learn how to do a lot of graphic design and a lot of web design. And so I just decided, well, I might as well make some money doing that. And so I started my consulting company and did fairly well at that for a while. And um, then my mother moved down to the area, to a small town just outside of Denton, and um, she was at a place where she kind of, you know, needed me there. So I moved in with her, and we, and, you know, I was like, well, I got to do something, you know, you know, I can, you know, having moved, um, my client base was still there, but um, it was just, 
I had a new client base and, and it was just like kind of reestablishing. But in the meantime, I went to work for a local small newspaper. Um, just as their front front desk person and and I um, also did ad design and ad sales. And while I was there, even though the editor at the time, whew, he was a curmudgeon. And uh, he was a tough, tough taskmaster. But at the end of the day, I, I paid attention to everything he did. I learned from him. And all of a sudden, I loved publishing. And I loved the idea of putting together a publication and putting it out every week or every month or, you know, in our case for Double Dog Publishing every quarter. So we, um, so I learned and shortly thereafter, um, a friend of mine who I had actually met at the newspaper, she and I had an opportunity to start a magazine, our own magazine. And uh, with her background in marketing and journalism and my background, with design and um, building business structure, we both just, you know, we fit. So we started this little magazine called Providence Village Experience. And we, together, we, you know, she was like the ad sales and, you know, the, the PR and the face of the company. And I was the one behind the scenes doing, doing the layout and design and a little bit of writing. And, um, you know, and it was great, but again, it just wasn't gonna be enough to pay my bills. Um, we had actually started it to be like a template to do for other small communities in our area. And it just never grew into that. Um, so uh, in 2020, I had to have major life-saving surgery during COVID, which was so much fun. So um, I was in the hospital and I really was thinking about what is it that I want to do? What, what, what are the things that I love? And I love publishing and I love veterans. So I made the decision sitting in that hospital room to start my own publishing company. And, and my first magazine was gonna be a dedicated veterans magazine. And that's kind of how that all happened. So. Now, uh, you know, cause like uh, um, I've been friends with Rob, um, Robert Garcia, if you guys don't know uh, the warrior strategist, you definitely need to know the guy. Great gentleman, um, great person. Great, oh, always, love him. Always, um, watching out for other veterans and he's got in a great magazine called shift magazine and i've been in it a couple times but um it's amazing when i seen him from just from the beginning to how much he's progressed over the it's amazing so talk to us about how some you know how you've progressed from one one issue to the next um, and tell us some of the do's and don'ts of trying mm -hmm. to start your own magazine or publications well how it progressed was it was just going to be a county magazine of you know a county veteran magazine so i started reaching out to all the county you know veteran services in the area and i got a lot of um yeah that sounds like a great idea but 
um, people use COVID as an excuse that, you know, magazines take money to produce. And I wasn't just going to produce a digital magazine because the demographic I wanted to reach was young and old. And, uh, you know, a lot of older vets, especially Vietnam era and the, the few World War II era vets we have, they don't want to look at a magazine on a screen. They want to have something that they can pick up. So, you know, print was always the goal. We were always, but print magazines are expensive. Um, your overhead is way more expensive. So you need advertisers to, you know, help you break even. And I was getting a lot of, you know, affirmations uh, from the mouth, but not a lot of checks from the wallet. So I decided, well, okay, maybe we'll expand regionally. You know, maybe if we expand to, you know, Colin and, you know, Grayson and, you know, the surrounding areas, you know, besides Denton County, you know, maybe we'll get a little bit more um, traction that way. Same thing happened. You know, a lot of people love the idea, but there wasn't a lot of um, tangible money to back it up to actually get it going. So in December, I started getting a lot of, on our Facebook page, I started getting a lot of messages from vets who are like, man, I wish this was national. You know, do you think this is something you could do for, you know, our area, the New England area, the this area, um, you know, because they're like, there's nothing like this that exists. And I said, well, let me think about it. So I restructured and, you know, played with a couple business models of how to make this work. And ultimately, I realized that if I do a national veterans magazine with an annual subscription for digital and print, I would actually be ahead of the game a year to three years down the road. So um, after I ran my, my financial models and did all that, I took the leap and changed our logos, changed everything, created a, a web store or a member area um, on our website and we went national. And when we, the second we went national, I had bets, including Annette, Annette contacted me and said, I would love to write for your magazine. So all of a sudden I had all these contributors who wanted to, you know, put their voice out there. And I thought, well, hell yeah, this is our, this is, this is why we exist. So it kind of took on a life of its own. And now we are, you know, of course we have our, our staff writers um, that write, you know, do interviews and stories and that kind of thing, like the veteran stories section. And, um, I always do like a cover story and do interviews like that. But at the end of the day, um, it's really, it's almost at this point, 50% written by other vets as well. So it's written by vets to vets. I love that. <laughs> Hopefully one day I'll get to be in your magazine one day. If Heck I, if yeah. I, if I could ever be that cool. But, oh you know. gosh, I don't know if we're cool, but heck yeah, because you know, here's the thing, every every veteran, I don't care, like my story, my vet story is so mundane, 
and so pitiful. I mean, I got out when I was an E2. You know, I pretended I wasn't even a veteran for 25 years of my adult life. Um, and, you know, but I've come to realize every veteran has a story and each one is a puzzle piece. Yep. And that, that that's why I do to the I, next. And, you know, that's why I do what I do, because, you know, <clears throat> you know, I, I believe everybody has a story to tell and you can reach people by being on my show that I cannot reach. Right. Like when, when I had Annette on the show and we started talking about her childhood sexual trauma and her military sexual trauma, it reached people that I couldn't reach. Right. So and so and then there's people like me that can reach the people that have been drug addicts and are in recovery and have cleaned their life up. So we all can just hit, you know, different people can reach different um you know, d- different demographics. So right. tell us about, you know, cause um, I have a lot of people that are in, in the, uh, that listen to this, that are business owners, a lot of people, um, there's, um, some of them actually own magazines and uh, stuff like that. So talk to us about how to go about getting, um, cause without sponsors, obviously without money, <laughs> none of this stuff actually no. works. You know, it takes teamwork to make the dream work. You know, exactly. Well, you know, that's the key. I mean, obviously, you know, I would not recommend to very many people to do what I did. Um, What drove me was passion, uh, family support, um, because during this time of building Double Dog Publishing and creating Addie's Veterans Magazine, you know, it's not like there's a lot of income coming in. You know, I've had to do a lot of side jobs with my consulting um, service to just barely make ends meet. So the first thing is you better be passionate about what you're doing. You better be passionate. And the second thing is you better have a plan. Don't even get your DBAs. Don't go, you know, don't get your um, LLCs. Don't do any of that until you have a plan, a detailed plan in place um, of how you're going to do it, because it is very complicated. And the other thing is you better know the publishing industry. You better know models. You, you know, need to know distribution. You need, if you're going to do a print magazine, you better have some printers that you know, and you know their character, you know their integrity, you know their, um, how they work. Um, and then obviously there's the design element um, and the quality of the, the print magazine. And then also there's the web aspect. You know, personally right now, I'm not thrilled with our digital version of the, of the magazine, but it'll do for now until we can grow and I can hire a webmaster to take it over. And, you know, there's a reason why they call it being a starving artist. And, you know, sometimes yeah. you're looking around, you're like, all right, well, I don't know how we're going to do this this week, but it always seems to, to come around. But a lot of it, in my opinion, is, you know, like now that I've had you on the show is where the, you know, the relationship just begins today. I'm a relationship. Right. Oh, you know, me too. I, I'm I all about relationships. So talk to us about building relationships because a lot of people, you know, oh, by the way, I send you a connection request on LinkedIn. So, yes, I saw that. 
I'm big on LinkedIn. Um, and one of the things that drives me absolutely nuts is somebody will send me a connection request. And then three seconds later, I get a six page um, pitch. And right. I'm like, uh, uh, you know, can, can you slow your roll there, hero? Right, you know, right. Get to know me before you ask me for something. So talk right. to us about building relationships and how it's so, even more important today than ever. Well, that absolutely was my goal, you know, because my passion is veterans. And the reason I'm passionate about veterans is one, I am one. And two, it's I see the need. And, you know, I also am part of a veterans organization. And there is something about the camaraderie among vets that surpasses branch, surpass, surpasses rank, surpasses all those things. When you just connect as, you know, two people who have been through similar situations or experience similar, you know, experiences, whether it's for the same reason, whether it's not for the same reason, so, um, and I believe honestly, regardless of, you know, the twilight zone we're living in now in our country and our culture, you know, I believe that we are all more alike than we are different. You know, we all desire to, you know, to love and to be loved. We all desire to be accepted and, and cared for and taken seriously, um, respected. And we, you know, we all have those, those basic human needs. And that is exactly what I wanted to do with the magazine. And with our magazine, it has been all about building relationships. I have a relationship with every single person now who has contributed to our magazine. I have a relationship with every single advertiser, um, every single sponsor. I, I, you know, cause for me, they're not just advertisers. They're not just an ad dollar. To me, it's like, no, it's like, wow, no, that's, that's Nick. You know, I was able to get um, my friend and um, business owner here in my little town. He's a Marine, veteran on business and first generation American. And he's like, hell yeah, I'm gonna, you know, support your magazine. So he sponsored our story um, about Dave Bray USA, who was a, a FMF corpsman with the Marine Corps. So it, it kind of fit. And so, yeah, I, have re I, I am building relationships with everybody and everybody matters. Um, and that, that is the key right there. Because this would not have, we would not be where we were, where we are right at this moment without those relationships. And then somehow I managed to meet Robert Garcia and he, uh, I get, I don't know who sent who a friend request, but anyway, we kind of connected and he thought it was pretty, you know, pretty cool that I, I ran a magazine too. So we had that initial in common, um, that initial thing in common. And then we started to get to know each other and We'd had a couple conversations and Zoom meetings and, and um, you know, so he, he's been incredibly helpful. And of course, you know, I met Annette and connected with her and, you know, I'm like, hey, you want to write for our magazine? And I'm like, 
yeah, yeah, come on, you know, send me an article. And so she did, and it actually happened to coincide with another one of my staff writers articles, and they were basically on the same thing. Because um, I'm not typically like, oh, you're going to write about this. I don't really do that. I'm like, what do you want to write about? What does your voice have to say? So it just so happened. So I was able to create a, a feature of body, soul, and mind with their two perspectives on uh, veteran mental health, um, two perspectives, one stigma. So it was very cool how it worked out. See, why um, did I know you a couple months ago? Because uh, <laughs> we, we had, we had, we threw, I threw my own mental health summit called Today I Decide. And it was a talking about the mind, the body and the spirit. And, yeah. and, and that was one of our, uh, one of our uh, top speakers. So if you, I mean, some of the people that are on your friends list are like actually some of the sponsors of the show, of my show. Uh, That's fantastic. Like CSD Hardscapes. Mark is one of uh -huh. my best friends. Uh, Joe from Maxwell Soaps is one of my best friends. Right. So it's amazing how, even though the you know the veteran community is a large community, it's a very small community. It is a small community, and once you connect with one vet, you connect with ten. Yeah, and don't mess with any of us, right? <laughs> no. Because, you know, we'll, we'll give each other crap 24-7. But somebody come against one of us, <laughs> watch out. <laughs> yeah, then, then there's trouble. All right, yeah. so last, last two questions I ask everybody. Um, how do we find your magazine? How do we subscribe? How can we support your mission? Well, three, it's threefold. One, you can go to our Facebook page. Um, Addie's Veterans Magazine. How do you spell that? Let me go. At ease, A-T. Okay. And then ease, E-A-S-E. -E, veterans. Sure we've, all been, we've all been told that many times. Yes, at ease, soldier. Um, uh, veterans Magazine. And it's, uh, if you just put in at ease veterans, it'll come right up. Um, in your search engine and Facebook. And then our website is theateasemagazine.com. And the second you pull that page up, there'll be a little pop-up and you can subscribe. Our subscriptions are only 25 a year annually for print and 15 annually a year for digital. And our website allows you to create your own little member pro portal and and then you know you can go anytime and usually the the digital is up the same week i go to i send the the print magazine to print so digital you get kind of an early you know sneak peek and then of course we also have our flip book which is just kind of it's not super easy to read um but it at least you can go and read stories so um, and then we have, um, we're on Instagram, same thing, Addie's Veterans Magazine. And I'm not really on Instagram too much. And then, of course, we're on LinkedIn. So oh. you can reach Christine Walker or Addie's Magazine or Devil Dog Publishing. And I love that. I love the, 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 
the wordplay. I think that's that's pretty cool. I think it's amazing. So now the last question um, I ask everybody because I ask a thousand people and I get a thousand different answers. Right. Uh, we're, you know, we're still in, in COVID. There are some places that are still locked down. Um, a lot of parents lost their jobs, so they're driving DoorDash just to put food on the table. Right. So if I ask the average person to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely to take that step. Right. So if somebody out there is looking to, because from your story, you have pivoted many times. Yes, I have. But a lot of the times I've noticed from, because like when I, when I interview somebody, I hang on every single word that they say. Mm-hmm. And it's, I close my eyes and it's like watching a movie. So. Right. Um, and you've always like even when you took your security job, um, you you learned from from the people that you were working with. Oh yeah. So talk to us, you know, um, if somebody out there is struggling and and they're tired of what they're doing, you know, they're bored and they want to get into something new. Um, talk to us what's something they can do in the next twenty four hours, maybe to start making some headway or to start making some changes into doing something that they're passionate about instead of just making a paycheck. Right. The biggest thing is, and this is what I do. I journal. And then I go back and read what I journal. And, and sometimes I'm, I'm old school. So I make lists, but you know, I make a, a, a pro and con list, you know, where I'm at, what, what am I happy about? And what am I not happy about? And then I take the things I'm not happy about. And then I make a second list of what would I rather be doing? How would I rather be interacting? How would I? So that's kind of what I do. Because you have to look inward before you can do anything outward. Um, And, you know, so I really, you know, just like when I was in the hospital, you know, I mean, I didn't do it on paper, but I did it in my head and I realized, you know what, this is not satisfying. You know, I mean, I, I, I loved what I was doing, but it didn't, it didn't fill that void in me. And I really had to decide, you know, what are the two things, you know, that I'm most passionate about in life? you know, apart from my family and my friends. And, you know, the most, the thing I'm the most passionate about in life is veterans and, you know, publishing. I love publishing. It is the most demanding, stressful, insane job I will ever have, but it is the best, most fulfilling job I will ever have. (laughs) So, um, you know, to, you take the good with the bad, but that's what I did. I had to look inward and I really had to decide, you know, and I had to be brave. I had to be brave and say, am I willing to take this chance? You know, what's it going to look like, you know, and, you know, and then come up with a plan on how to make it happen. And sometimes that part gets overwhelming. I'm not going to lie. It's, it can be very overwhelming. But when you, when your passion exceeds your fear, you'll move forward. And that's what I did. My passion exceeded my fear. And so I moved forward um, with Double Dog Publishing. 
and then ultimately Addie's Veterans Magazine. So. I love it. And now, you know, I was just listening to, I started a new book yesterday. It's called um, From Homeless to Billionaire. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about the exact same things that you just talked about, about writing your list down, you know, writing the things that you don't want. Right. Then right across from it, writing the things that you do want. Because, yeah. you know, when you put something on paper, it be- it's real. It becomes the life. <laughs> Right. You know, just like they say that, you know, the only difference between a dream and a goal is a goal is a dream with a deadline. Right. So I I love exact. I love everything you're talking about. I love the magazine. I love what you got going on. Yay. Um, We're so glad. Well, and also, you know, if any of your um, listeners want to advertise, we will take their money. Um, We're really concentrating on national. national you know people with national or web-based um companies um because we want them to get the most bang for their ad dollar our prices are are very um very affordable for especially for print and um we've got a lot of different options so if they're interested we'd be happy to talk to them about that as well but, okay, I'm just going to throw this out there to you. Um, mm-hmm. you, don't, you, don't, you can let me know, but um, all all my sponsors that are on my show, they're all veterans 100% yes. of the time, and they pay $0 for sponsorship. So if you ever want to sponsor the show for free to get your word out there, it would be my honor to have you as a sponsor. So oh, I'm I'd just, love to do that. Just throwing it out there. It's free. You can ask Annette, anybody, anybody that I do, everything I do is for free. I don't charge anybody. It's all about just paying back, um, you know, just giving back to the world. As I believe in karma. So I love throwing good karma out there because it always comes back. Right. Well, well, absolutely. We will absolutely be one of your sponsors. Um, You know, we can talk later. The other thing too is, you know, just as far as our, ad base we're, we're doing something a little bit crazy even for the publishing world um just just quickly typically publications any publication they are extremely ad heavy if you if you pick up any magazine you're gonna see ad ads every other page every two pages you know that's just par for the course and it's pretty much a a 60 40 you know, you have 60% ads, 40% content. Um, other magazines, they'll do 50-50. We are going the opposite. We actually have 70% content, 30% ads. Um, because it's more important for us to, for the voices to be heard. And, um, you know, the operation money, all that stuff that comes with business, that will come. Um, it's just a matter of being patient, but really we're just about the voices. We gotta, we gotta get the voices out there. And right now we're doing great. We, I just did some analytical numbers today and we actually have a reach readership of almost 6,000 already. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So I'm really thrilled with that, but yeah, you know, if you, you know, if you want to get into the publishing world, I'll be happy um to email any of your viewers who have questions my email is christine at devil doc public devil doc publishing.com 
and you know they're free to email me and ask any question they want um and i can at least point them in the right direction i love it and i'm so like i said i'm so grateful that you came on the show today and well, i'm like, so grateful you had me well the relationship like i said you know people know that when they're on my show um, their relationship just starts today so um right. i'm grateful so guys if you're listening to this definitely check out Addie's magazine amazing and if you do get a chance go to my friend annette wittenberger she has a podcast called a wild ride called life um, amazing podcast i've been on it thank and thank for her but she talks a lot about it, a lot of great different things and her new book is the bomb you need to pick yes. up the book so definitely check it out Yes, you have to get that book. I, I cannot wait to get my copy. <laughs> I, I got mine ordered already. So, uh, Christine, thank you so much. And um, have a blessed week and make and crush it. Crush everything you're doing. You're really making a difference. And if you could save one veteran's life just by them reading your magazine, it's all yep. worth it. it. Absolutely. That's the goal. Well, have an amazing week and I'll be talking to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Have an awesome week. Bye. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. If you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out. Hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee. And, and it, will, it will get you moving in the morning. So, guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out, leave us a note, tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.